our lesson tonight from King Hezekiah, Hezekiah chapter, and Babylon from 2 Kings 20, Isaiah 38, and 2 Chronicles 32. In 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24, it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. Now we read about that story last week, uh, and here it is mentioned in 2 Chronicles 32. 2 Chronicles doesn't go into the whole story, but it does mention it here. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Now that's an interesting uh, verse there. That is not mentioned in the book of Isaiah, even though it gives a long detailed story of both the sickness and tonight's message, nor in 2 Kings, which also gives a long detailed account of his sickness and tonight's account. But in 2 Chronicles, it does mention this aspect, which gives us an insight into what was going on. Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor that was shown him. God heals him, right? He was sick unto death. Isaiah said, you're going to die. He prays. He turns his face to the wall, prays to the Lord. Lord, uh, you know my, what I've done. Remember me. And the Lord heals him and promises him 15 more years of life. And he asks for a sign, and God says, how do you want the sign to be? I'll move the sun in whatever direction you want. Hezekiah said, move it back. Moves back 10 degrees. And that same year that that was going on, we don't know which took place first, which took place before or after. I think our speakers went off again. It's not back there. It's not, it's not back there. It's, uh, I think it's over here somewhere. It's the uh, amplifiers, I believe, are shutting off. And so uh, we don't, it, both of them took place the same year, him being sick and being healed and the king of Assyria coming and attacking. We don't know which one came first. Um, the way it's written in the Bible, the sickness comes after, um, and that could be how it was. Um, but it says at the same time, so it could have been all exactly at the same time. Uh, but it, it, both of them were in his 14th year of his reign. And so his heart is lifted up. So whether his heart was lifted up because he was healed, or because an angel of the Lord killed 185 thousand Assyrian soldiers in one night and sent the king of Sennacherib running home and gets killed at home by his kids or something along that line. Something his heart gets lifted up. Or it could have been the successes in the kingdom. His heart gets lifted up. Very dangerous to have success. Maybe that's why I've had so few. <laughs> It's very dangerous to uh, receive success, whether success in the Lord or success in whatever way, shape, or form, if we end up, take, we end up taking the glory to ourselves. So pride is a very dangerous temptation. And then pride cometh before the fall, and that's what happens here. He, he did not repay according to the favor shown him. His heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. So again, it might have been more than just that he was healed, but it might have been the victory over the Syrians because it affects 
Jerusalem and Judea. And sin, that's right, our sins spread, right? So one sin affects others, and so his heart is lifted up, and pride comes, and then disaster takes place. And so the wrath looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem could be that the, the coming destruction that ends up taking place uh, much later on down the line. So then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon him in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. So he humbles himself, and the, all the people humble themselves. So the pride spread, and so they were all proud. Again, maybe because of the victory, maybe because of what God had done, and they took the credit to themselves, began boasting. And so even when God does a mighty thing, we can get pride, proud about that. And so it can affect the leader, and it can affect everybody else as well. All of us can be affected by pride, and it can have an effect upon everyone around us and be a continual problem. And uh, problem. <laughs> but he humbled himself. He confessed his sins to the Lord, repented of it, turned from the sin, God granted forgiveness, and God blessed them. And then God gave him very great riches and honor. And the bottom line statement about Hezekiah was that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord more than any king before him or more than any king after him. And so God took care of him, God blessed him. And so even if we make a mistake, key thing is to get it right with the Lord as quickly as possible. To humble ourselves before the Lord. To confess it, to receive the Messiah's sacrifice and death in place of that sin. To receive his forgiveness. To receive his cleansing power. To accept his Holy Spirit to empower us not to do that again. And to live new lives. That's what Hezekiah did. And that's what made him great in the sight of the Lord. The same with King David. It says he was a man after God's own heart. And people say, well, he had lots of wives. And he was a man after God's own heart. He made mistakes. Yes, but he repented of his sins. He killed a man. Yes, but he repented of those things. That's the difference between him and Saul. Saul doesn't repent. He repented. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. And that's what will make us people of God's own heart. That's why at the end it can say we did what was right in the sight of the Lord. If we repent of our mistakes. If we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us early. And to change us. And allow him to transform us. And make us into him, his image. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon. Whom they sent to him. To inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. And that's the story that we're going to look at. That's all it says about in 2 Chronicles about this story. And that's the story that we're going to go back to Isaiah and to 2 Kings and find out what this story is about. The ambassadors of the princes of Babylon 
whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. Well, what was the wonder that was done in the land? They saw the sun go back 10 degrees. No doubt that that didn't just affect Jerusalem and Judea, but that affected the whole world. And they said, hey, the sun has gone back. What caused the sun to go back? They did some inquiries. Well, hey, it had something to do with Hezekiah's healing. So they were interested in it. So they sent ambassadors to him, wondering about what had been done in the land. And when they come, God withdraws from him in order to test him that he might know what's in his heart. So God withdraws. It doesn't mean he didn't leave them all together. But he says, okay, Hezekiah, let me see what you'll do on your own here. Let me see how you'll handle this one. I've been helping you along. Let me see what's really in your heart here. Let me see if you're going to ask for my help here. Let me see what's really there. And that's where we pick up the story. In Isaiah chapter 39, verse 1, at that time, talking about the healing of Hezekiah, which takes place in Isaiah 38, at that time, Moradek Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. So in 2 Chronicles it says, the wonder that was done in the land, and here in Isaiah, which matches right up with 2 Kings 20, says they heard that he had been sick and recovered. So they saw there was a match there. He was sick, he recovered, and there was a wonder in the land. And so they said letters and a present to King Hezekiah to find out what this is all about. And no doubt, well, Babylon was also at odds with Assyria. And so no doubt they also heard how the king of Assyria had Jerusalem as a caged bird, how they destroyed Lachish, how they had Jerusalem surrounded, and how for some mysterious reason they had to come back home minus 185,000 soldiers who died in one night. And so they're wanting to find out about all of this. And so they come to King Hezekiah. Now when we looked at his healing, and Hezekiah, Isaiah says, you're going to be healed, you're going to, in three days you're going to go to the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah says, well, what will be the sign of my healing? And he's not rebuked for asking for the sign. It might be because God wanted all the world to know about him healing King Hezekiah. And how's he going to let all the world know? Because he gives them two choices. The son will move backwards or the son will move forward. He didn't do some kind of miracle that's just something there in, in Hezekiah's bedroom. He didn't just say, do you want that wall to be painted blue or you want it to be painted red? You know, you want a hand to come and write on the wall? What do you want? He asked for something global. Or God gave him a choice of something global, one or the other. So that it can be seen. So this is part of God's plan. I want the Babylonians to come and I want them to hear about my power and my grace and my love. <clears throat> I want them to see the, the temple that you've reopened and the sacrifices there. <coughs> Excuse me. Hezekiah was pleased with them and he showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, 
the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. <clears throat> and Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said, What did those men say? And from where did they come to you? <coughs> Does anyone have a, a lozenger? Somewhere? And Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. Thank you. That's right. Try that. <laughs> and Isaiah said, what have, you, what have they seen in your house? And so Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And Isaiah said, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. In the, day, the days are coming when all that is in your house shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. They shall take away some of your sons whom you will, will beget. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Sad testimony. When the queen of Sheba came to Solomon... Bible says Solomon showed him the sacrifices. This person comes all the way from Sheba. Are you going to show him how we kill animals? How we burn them? He showed him the plan of salvation. He showed him how to receive forgiveness of sins. No doubt talked about how our God will be represented in these lambs. How our God will become the sacrifice for us. How our God will die for us, just as these innocent lambs. That he will take our punishment. That our sins are transferred to these animals symbolically and are taken and killed and removed from us. And our God will not symbolically take our sins. He will actually take our sins from us. He will actually take our carnal nature from us. And he will die and he will kill it. And we will receive forgiveness of sins. And a new life. And the, the cleansing of the labor. And the menorah and the light and the bread. He showed them. He showed Queen of Sheba and her, those that were with her the gospel. The plan of salvation. The way to heaven. And the Bible says she was impressed by what he ate and what he drank. How his servants dressed and by the sacrifices in the temple. She saw people who lived differently than all the other kingdoms that she had visited. They ate differently, they dressed differently, they worshipped differently. They had a different God. They had a different mindset. Hezekiah had that same opportunity, not only to bless to the south, Sheba, he had an opportunity to bless to the north, east, to Babylon. And who knows what would have been the results. But instead, he showed him his house. He showed him his riches. 
He showed him his silver, his gold. He showed him everything except the Lord. God withdrew. Go ahead, Hezekiah, show him whatever you want. I'll let you handle this one. Let's see what's really in your heart. And really what was in his heart was his pride at this point. In his greatness, in his accomplishments. What does our heart show? What are we showing people? What does our Facebook page look like? What do the walls in our bedroom and offices look like? What do we show off when we dress? And who are we drawing attention to? Are we drawing attention to self? To ourselves? Or to the Lord? When we talk with people, what do we talk about? What are we talking about our accomplishments? We talk about us, or do we talk about the Lord? Do we talk about the great things that he has done, or what's going on in our lives? When people see us, our neighbors, people at work, people at school, when they see us, do they see the Lord? Or do they only see us? How about those who don't know us, but who see us? Those who we don't talk to. Neighbors maybe a couple houses down. Or maybe even neighbors right next to us that we don't talk to. Or people at work or school or in whatever club or wherever we're at. Can they tell from how we live where our hearts are. They can tell. The question is, what does our heart tell? What does our life show? What do our mouths say? What does our lifestyle tell about us? more than just professing. It's more than just showing up. It's more than just having a private religion. That's one of the things about Islam. The devotees of it, it's not just something they do once a week. It's something that impacts every aspect of their lives. The laws of their lands. Now it's all stupid and crazy and nutsy and backwards and archaic and evil. But they allow it, demonic, but they allow it to affect every aspect of their lives. Their laws, how they live, their marriages, how they treat women and men and children. They implement it all across the board. Again, those who follow it to its full extent. We should follow the Bible. We should be filled with God's Spirit. And God should shine out of our hearts. 
And people should be able to see it. And we should then intentionally let people see it with bumper stickers or shirts or buttons or what we say. Or calendar. You have a calendar on the wall in your office or your office cubicle or wherever in your house. Our mail deliverers can tell, us, tell people a lot about us. <laughs> They showed up at your funeral. They could tell us a lot. <laughs> what do they see in what comes into our house? What are we showing off? Are we giving glory to the Lord in our conversations with our doctors and our dentists and people we come in contact with? Occasional, the people we shop, are we giving them cards? Are we giving them tracks? Most of the time when I give a person a card at the checkout, they say, oh, thank you. Very rarely have they ever thrown it in my face. They've never thrown it back in my face. <laughs> Once in a blue moon, they'll say, no, thank you. Are we giving people an opportunity to know the Lord? Are we showing that to them? Hezekiah blew it. His golden opportunity. He reached out to Judah. He reached out to Israel. And God brought the nations to him. That was the whole purpose of the miracle. It was the whole purpose of the healing. And the gospel could have been spread. And he blew it. And though he'll be saved, again, the account, he repents, he humbles himself before the Lord. And Judah and Jerusalem, God prospers him and blesses him. But how many people will not be in heaven because he blew it here? How many people from Babylon could have known the message and the gospel? How many people end up suffering as it says, your house shall be carried to Babylon, nothing shall be left. They'll take away your sons and those you beget, and, and you, there'll be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. As we know the history, Babylon comes several years later and destroys Jerusalem. How many died there? How many died in Babylon? How many died without knowing the Lord as a result of him blowing it here? One mistake. We need to be ever ready, ever on guard, never knowing when that opportunity is going to come. Someone comes into your office cubicle and says, how did you figure that out? Or how did you, how did you do this? Or how do I do this? Or ask for your help. Or some neighbor comes and asks for your help or asks you, hey, nice job on your house, nice paint job, nice whatever, your lawn looks nice, whatever. We don't know when that opportunity is of someone coming and asking us a question. They came and asked him about his healing. They brought him a present. And the answer we give, we might think, well, they only asked about my grass. I told them about that great fertilizer. 
They didn't ask about the Lord. Not that we need to be pushing it down everyone's throat. But we need to be in tune for those moments when God is opening a door. Again, not pushing doors open, but being in tune and ever ready to give an account of why we believe. And to give God the glory for all that he has done in our lives. Be ever ready. Because we might not know when that time, that test is coming. We might not know when that opportunity is coming. And we might not have even realized it already came and went. And we may never see that person again and may never have that opportunity again. We need to be ready and not let pride get in the way and self get in the way. Because life is not about self. It's not about us. We don't last that long. Life is short. Death is sad. The purpose that we live is to give glory to God and for people to see him in our lives. That's why you're alive. That's why I'm alive. That's our only and sole reason. To share God's love with others so there'll be more people in the kingdom of heaven. And each of us have golden opportunities like Hezekiah had here. And again, they might not have been coming to ask about the Lord, but that was his chance to show them. May God see, may people see God in us. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. I thought that was kind of a strange response. <laughs> really a selfish response, right? Well, at least it's going to be my kids who are going to be eunuchs in Babylon. He didn't say, I'm going to be carried as a eunuch in Babylon. <laughs> he, said, he didn't say, they're coming today to take my house. And my, he said, the time is coming when they're going to come and all that is here. So I'm okay. I don't like my kids anyway. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know, I thought that was a strange answer. The Bible just tells you the truth, you know. That's why we know that the Bible is truth. It doesn't pull any punches. You know, it, uh, it lays it out. Even the, those that it likes. That's right. If you're going to make up a story about a good guy in your story, you wouldn't have him say that, would you? <laughs> if you're going to write, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, better than any king before him or after him. He certainly wouldn't keep that line in there. Even if he did say it, you would leave that line out, right? <laughs> but the Bible puts it in there. Warts and all. Warts and all. It's all there. That's right. So that's what it says. That's verse 8, Isaiah 9, and back to Second Chronicles 32, 32. And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness are written in Isaiah the prophet and in the book of kings of Judah and Israel. Hezekiah slept with his fathers and they buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David and all Judah honored him at his death. And Manasseh, his son, reigned 
next. And that ends our account of Hezekiah. In 2 Kings it ends, and in Isaiah it ends a little better. We've already read it where it says, uh, again, he did what was right and he did better than all the other kings and he dug the tunnel and, and, uh, and again, slept with his fathers and was buried in the tombs, doing what was right, better than any other king before or after. <clears throat> so God gives him a good account, nice eulogy, nice headstone, did a lot of great things, 29 years, Brought people to the Lord in Judah and in Israel. But there is still that blot of the sad account. God wants to present us without blot. Wants to wash our records clean. And present us spotless before the Lord. And so if we've missed opportunities to share the gospel with those that we come in contact with. And we want to repent of that now. If we've been proud, lifted up, brought glory to ourselves, if we're vain, sitting in front of our vanities, puffing ourselves up, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all, comparing ourselves with ourselves and comparing ourselves with others, drawing attention to ourselves, worried about what other people think of us, how do I compare with those others at work, how do I compare with those others I know, what does the boss think of me, what does the teacher think of me, what do the people down there think of me, will I be voted the best lawn in the community? Are we living for ourselves? Let us repent, humble ourselves before the Lord. The Lord has done mighty things for us and we've brought glory to ourselves. You know, and sometimes by not telling, well, not only sometimes, I think the main reason that we don't testify of what God has done in our life is because of pride. It's a false humility. If we really believed it was the Lord who did it, we should shout it from the mountaintops. This is what God has done. But maybe subconsciously, secretly, we think it, we had something to do with it, and thus we're afraid to tell others about us. We're afraid maybe they think we'll be proud. But if God has done it, God deserves the honor and the glory. And God forbid we withhold him getting honor and glory for something that he did. And that we hold it back. And that we don't testify. And that we don't let others know what God has done. So we can fall into a false humility, which again is self. And be proud. Or we can be boasting. And be proud. We can be proud again in how we walk and how we live and how we do. If God's brought anything to your mind, either current or present, as we pray, surrender it to the Lord. Let him remove pride from our, pride from our hearts.
Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. That's something that God gives us the ability to do. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift us up. So if any of those areas apply to you tonight, or maybe something else that God has been speaking to your heart, maybe sometime when you had an opportunity to share and you didn't, and you blew it, you want God to cover it and forgive it, give you, give you another opportunity and give that person another opportunity to hear about the Lord, let's present it before him. Let God work his work. So we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, <clears throat> Thankful for your forgiveness, thankful for your mercy, thankful for your sacrifice. Thankful that you are a forgiving God. Thank you that you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Redeemer and you're our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to do a new thing in our lives. Lord, thank you for redeeming the time. Lord, we want to uplift those who've come to us to know about you, whether they said it verbally or not, or an opportunity had come and we blew it. Lord, forgive us, cleanse us, give us another chance with that person or with someone else. And, with, and that person, give them another chance, either with us or with someone else. Lord, <laughs> forgive us for pride. Forgive us for self and wash us clean through the blood of the Lamb. Come inside us and give us your heart. Give us a humble and contrite spirit before you. Give our lips praise of you. and To give you honor and glory in everything we do and everything we don't do. In every aspect that we live. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.